It says, then, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, if they will pray, there's a key word, if they will seek my face, if they will turn from their wicked ways. Now, if we do that, here's what God says. He doesn't say, I might, I may. You can flip a coin and we'll see. He says, I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land. This land is our land and we're going to turn from our wicked ways. We're going to pray. We're going to get on our knees. We're going to seek God's face and our nation is not too far gone. I pray all the time. I'll say, God, just remember, we're kind of teenagers when it comes to being a nation. We're kind of young and stupid sometimes. It's like, but our teenagers are not stupid. They're brilliant and amazing. So that doesn't apply to you guys. It just applied to me when I was that age. But God knows, and God is going to hear. And our deal is to vote, but God said, pray, and I will change your nation. Amen? Amen. I want to invite you guys to do something. At 8 o'clock, our time, every night, take one minute. We're going to rally around. We're going to do one minute every night, and we're going to pray for our leaders. We're going to pray for our nation, and we are going to pray that we are one nation under God. Amen? Amen. 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 That was good. Well, let's go ahead and take up another offering. (laughs) Good job, Trish. You're so smart. I really encourage you guys to come on Sunday night to... Is that my mom? Is she here? I didn't. But I really encourage you to take the time to come on Sunday night when when there's teaching going on. Learn from some of these other folks. They really are a wealth of knowledge. Well, if you've got your Bibles, hold them up this morning. Repeat after me. Say, this is my Bible. Every word in it is true. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. Today... I'll be taught God's Word. word. It's His truth truth. transforming Transforming. every part of my life. life. And I'll never be the same. same. In Jesus' name, name. amen. Amen. You guys sound great this morning. Well, we've been studying the last four weeks, and we've got one more week in our series on a blessed life. What does it mean to have a blessed life? John 10.10, Jesus is talking. He said, the thief, the devil does not come but to kill, steal, and destroy, but I have come that you might have life and life more abundantly. One of the other translations, one of the other biblical translations says overflowing, a life that's full and overflowing. That sounds like a pretty good life to me. So recap over the last few weeks has basically been this. The firstborn, the first fruits of our lives and the things that we produce belong to God. And when we give to God our tithe, when we give to God the first parts of our life, he blesses and redeems the rest. He redeems and blesses the rest. So we give our 10% and then God takes that 10% and blesses the other 90%. And that's the gist of having a blessed life. But it's not just In giving, it's also in spending our time and all the different things that God wants us to do. But we know that the Bible teaches us that where our treasure is is where our heart is. And so the blessing, the financial blessing that God gives us is really a barometer of where we are spiritually. And so that's why God's been teaching us. But we're going to talk today about a fun word. And this fun word is called mammon. Everybody say mammon. 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 Not mammoth springs. 
Spring, sorry, my bad. Spring. You don't go to Mammoth Spring and say Mammoth Springs, do you? What happens? Yeah, they'll smack you. You got to watch those folks. You got to watch them. But Mammoth Spring, but this word is mammon. So let's talk about what mammon is. This is, uh, if you've got your Bibles or your notes, or you can look up on the screen. Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, I'm reading out of the New King James Version. This is Jesus talking. This is what Jesus has to say No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. Then he finishes this statement with this. You cannot serve God and mammon. You cannot serve God and mammon. But let's look up. Over the years, this has been misinterpreted, and I'm going to clear up some things. I can guarantee you 90% of you guys are going to walk out here today with a clear understanding of what God's talking about and what God really thinks about money. Okay, but let's, let's define what mammon is. Mammon is an Aramaic word. It's an ancient word, and, that me, and the word means riches. The word means riches. Now, money can be involved in that, but it really means riches or possessions. So when Jesus says you cannot serve God and mammon, what Jesus is saying is you cannot serve God and riches, possessions, money. You can't serve that. You're going to serve one or the other. The root of this word comes from the Babylonians, and the gist of the word, the, the actual definition of the word means this. this. This is what it means. When you say mammon, it kind of really encompasses a, a way of thinking. Now, remember the Tower of Babel? You remember Old Testament folks? You remember the Tower of Babel? They built this huge tower up into the sky. The Tower of Babel was built in Babylon. So there's an ancient history in that part of the world that really has a lot to do with the power of man. And so the, the actual definition of mammon is, is a statement that people make in their heart is that we do not need God. We can do it on our own. Mammon is really the spirit of the world. It's the flesh. So in other words, what Jesus is saying here is you cannot serve God and mammon, riches, possessions, wealth, knowledge. You can't serve God if you're relying on these other things. You can't serve God and serve riches at the same time because you're going to serve one or the other. Jesus says you can't serve both. So here's something I want you to understand, and this is in your blanks here by that diamond. Mammon promises everything but can deliver nothing. Mammon promises everything, but it can deliver nothing. You know, if you, if you watch TV at all, especially if you have cable, all 5,000 channels, about 250 of those channels seem to have shows on reality TV. Anybody ever watch any of that stuff? And it's the, the wives of Beverly Hills and the wives of Dallas and the, and the this and that and the other thing. And, and a lot of the people that they follow in these stories, not all of them, but a lot of the people that follow in these stories are people that have a lot of mammon. They have a lot of money. They have a lot of riches and a lot of possessions. These are some of the goofiest people I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> have you ever watched these shows? They're so, these people have become, many of them, not all of them, I know there's some good people in there, but many of these people have become so disconnected from what I would call the real world, they're clueless. They live in this weird, pseudo, strangey soap opera of life. 
And the reality is they've fallen for this thing of mammon. They really, God, I'm sure, doesn't really factor into their equations. Their world is built around what they can wear and what possessions they have. And it's really messed up. Here's what mammon promises. Here's what riches and possessions, here's what they promise you. Security, significance, identity, independence, power, and freedom. Read those again. Security, significance, identity, independence, power, and freedom. And here's what I want you to understand. Only God can give those things. Only God can give true security. Only God can give true significance. Only God can give you true identity. Only God can truly give you independence. Only God can give you real power. And only God can truly give you freedom. So the world substitutes. Mammon is really a substitute for God. It's man's way of substituting what we can produce in this world for true wealth, true riches that are what God gives us. And Jesus tells us you can't serve both. Here's the comparison, just a couple things that, that I wanted you to compare. The spirit of mammon says, buy and sell. The spirit of God says, sow and reap. The spirit of mammon says, cheat and steal to get what you want. Dog eat dog. The spirit of God says, give and receive. So they're very different spirits. So we've defined what the spirit of mammon is. Let's talk about what mammon, really what the foundations of mammon are. So number two on your notes is this. The spirit of mammon is rooted in deception. The spirit of mammon is rooted in deception. Matthew 13, 22 says this, and this is the New King James also. Now he who receives seed among the thorns, that's the word of God, he who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word of God and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. Mammon is deceitful. Let me explain this to you. And, and anybody that's been, you know, that's lived more than past first grade probably understands this. This is what Mammon says. If you have the right clothes, if you have the right car, if you have the right girlfriend or boyfriend, if you have the right whatever, fill in the blank, then you'll be happy. Right? That really in a nutshell sums up Mammon. If you have this thing, then your life will be fulfilled. Here's the problem. It's never enough. You've ever seen one of those old cartoons, one of those TV shows, and there'll be an old donkey out walking, and there'll be something, he's pulling a trailer or wagon or whatever and they'll have a stick hanging out with a carrot in front of it and the donkey's walking around trying to get the carrot in a very real sense that's what many of us do in our lives we're chasing this carrot that's never going to fulfill who we really are but the devil dangles it out there and if we think well if I have that bass boat surely I'll be fulfilled now look guys <laughs> I speaketh our language okay all right, how many hunters do I have? How many pairs of camouflage do you own? <laughs> Come on. How many, I mean, really? I mean, just so we're all clear, deer are colorblind, all right? You can wear plaid. 
I love looking back at those old hunting magazines from like the 1920s or 30s filled in stream. And there's a dude standing out in the woods, you know, it's cartoon. And he's wearing red and black and all this, you know, and he's got the hat with the ears that fold down. Looks like a dork. But, you know, here he is. And if that's you, I'm sorry. But, you know, he's out there and, 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 and he's killing deer, isn't he? And yet we walk into the woods and look like trees. I mean, you know, and, and not only do we look like trees, but we need better trees. I mean, my, my camouflage, in my barn, I have a rod in my barn. It's, it's probably six foot long. It is covered in camouflage clothes from over the years. There are people in this room who have killed more deer driving cars. Like, hey, if I want to kill a deer, just send me out down the road. I mean, that's not a problem. And yet, we always feel like we got to have the next, we got to have the better. If you buy a bass boat, trust me. Trust me. If you buy a bass boat, you take that brand new bass boat out of the lake, it's got a 225 Mercury engine on the back, boom, boom, 454, whatever. I mean, you're out there in the lake, fellas, come on. You're out there in the lake, you lower that thing into the water the first time you're out there, and some guy pulls up next to you, and he's got a 230 horsepower. And you say, I need a Hemi. I mean, you know, you. <laughs> My point is this, and you guys, we're all guilty of this. It's never enough. Never enough. 42 inch, nope, need a 52. Pretty soon, if we keep it up, we'll have drive in theaters at our homes. I mean, you just <laughs> pull up in the driveway, boom, there it is. But the spirit of mammon is rooted in deception, and the reality is it's never enough. And that's how you know. It's never enough. You're never satisfied. Let me, let me make a statement. I want you to finish this statement. Money is the root of? Let me say it again. Money is the root of? The love of money. Let's read this scripture. 1 Timothy 6.10 says this. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil for which some have strayed from the faith. Now listen to this statement. In their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Wow. Who pierced them? We pierce ourselves. We get greedy and we start chasing mammon and we start chasing these things. And what happens is we pierce ourselves and it becomes, mammon becomes a sedative. We feel good for a little while, then it's not enough. And we have to move on. And I want you to be clear here, and this is where a lot of people get this mixed up. And I want you to understand that I actually wrote this part of the message this morning. I usually do that. You know, I've been working on this thing for a few days, and then right before I come in here, God will show me something. I want to just read to you what I wrote about this scripture. The devil works in deception. He twists God's words and he promotes religious tradition that have some truth in them, but not all the truth. And see, many of us finish the statement, well, money's the root of all evil. You know, money's evil. And there are denominations that are built around that statement and they're wrong. The love of money. In other words, putting that before God, what Jesus is saying, mammon. 
So money is not inherently evil. Money does not get spit out of the money-making machine. Whoa, I'm now in the world. That's, that's not how money is. Money is just an object. Money, money serves a purpose. There's nothing wrong with money. And there's nothing wrong with having a whole lot of it. Look, and I'm going to say this, fellas, because we, we need the help. There's nothing wrong with you having a bass boat. Amen. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> the problem is when the bass boat has us. There's nothing wrong, ladies, with having shoes. You're welcome, Christy. <laughs> Trisha, Carol, Monica. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with it. But when we begin to worship our stuff, you guys all know what I'm talking about. It's when our stuff has us. And here's how you know, I gotta have it. I gotta have it, whatever it is. You know, I'll tell you another way you can test this. I, I love this at Christmas, especially little bitty kids. I love watching little bitty kids at Christmas. You've gone out and you have searched the world over for the perfect gift, right? You know, little Johnny Susie, really, this is the thing. And, and you give little Johnny Susie a gift and you, you hand it to them and they start gnawing on the paper. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you're, so they open it up and they pull the gift out and play with the box. For Christmas this year, I'm just going to get buy my kids a refrigerator box and say, have at it. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but, but the truth is, they, they really have a pretty good grasp of what's important, don't they? Hmm, interesting. So the devil works in deception, and what, what he tells us is, well, money's evil. And so what happens is he does this for the Christian bunch, for the religious bunch. He knows he can't get in there and mess up what God's done in our lives. So he tries to deceive us. He's the deceiver. That's what he does. And so he takes these half-truths of Scripture and gets us to believe them. So we begin to act in our lives like money's evil. And we shouldn't have any. Because, you know, money's the root of all evil. And so if you have money, there's something wrong with you. And that's a lie. The spirit of, of mammon will tell us that we either need God to do a miracle or we need more money. <laughs> the spirit of mammon will tell us that we either need God to do a miracle or we need more money. In other words, I need either God to do something or money can fix my problems, but it's got to be one or the other. I either need God or money. There are people in here right now, probably half of us that feel that way. Every problem I have, either God's going to have to do a miracle or I need to make more money, right? We can all be honest about that. <laughs> uh, let me give you a little mental test here. You know, you can think about this for a second. How many of you feel like, Lord, I hold this lottery ticket in my hand. And Lord, if you'll help me win the lottery, well, Lord, you know I'll bless the church. I'll even buy Pastor Chris a suit. <laughs> Lord, you know he wears jeans all the time. And that bothers me. That's another spirit of mammon. So you know. But Lord, <laughs> that's a whole other sermon. <laughs> but Lord, you know, I mean, and we try to negotiate with God, don't we? Come on. Oh, y'all looking at me like, oh, not me, Pastor Chris. 
it's been a whole month since I've done that, Pastor Chris. No. <laughs> or maybe we feel like, you know, Lord, I need you to do a miracle, but maybe if one of my rich relatives dies, they'll send me all their money. We've thought that before, haven't you? That's the spirit of mammon. I'm trying to give you some reference points here. Some of y'all are going, man, I wish he'd shut up, but I have more to go. <laughs> so you just have to wait. Here's my point. Money or riches are not the answer to our problems or challenges. God is. Money's not our problem, folks. Money's a symptom. Riches are a symptom. And whenever you find this place in your life where you feel like you've got to have something to fulfill you, you're running from something. And you need God. And that's when we need to slow down. Here's another point I wanted to bring up to you. Man, I have lots of time. Uh, Here's another point I want to bring up to you. Mammon has friends. Mammon has friends. He has buddies that go with him. And I'm going to introduce you to a couple of his friends. Here, Here are a couple of Mammon's friends, number three in your notes. Mammon's first buddy is the spirit of pride. The spirit of pride. And here's what pride says. I have gained what I have through hard work, ingenuity, and talent. And this causes us to become centered on the blessing and not the blessor. In other words, what happens is we begin to exalt ourselves over God. In other words... I am so stinking smart, that's how I became successful. I am so smart that God has blessed me with all this money. I am so, it's me. You know, I'm sure God helps. But the bottom line is, I'm the one that put the marketing plan together. I'm the one that's working 70 hours a week. I deserve this. Anybody ever been there? I have my hand up for a reason. pride (laughs) you know you understand how um guys god gives us the ability to do everything god gives us the ability to do everything we have to watch out for pride here's the other one here's his other buddy it's kind of the opposite of pride it's the spirit of poverty And the spirit of poverty causes us to be ashamed of the blessings that God has given us. And it makes you think that wealth comes from the devil. That's up there where we're talking about the love of money. This is where the spirit of poverty comes in. The spirit of poverty feels the need to justify purchases or possessions because it equates blessings with evil. Wow, this one is deceptive. The spirit of pride is pretty obvious. The spirit of poverty is really, really deceptive because it's clothed in humility, but it's false humility. The spirit of poverty feels the need to justify purchases or possessions because it equates these blessings with evil. And I wrote this this morning. It is also rooted in fear, fear that everything will be or can be taken away any minute. That's the spirit of poverty. The spirit of poverty says, I have to spend the money while I have it because it may be gone tomorrow. Wow. You know, I want to tell you something. This was, when I was reading this this week, 
the Lord was really dealing with me. See, that's one of the hard things people don't understand about being a pastor. I'm, sh- I'm sure there are pastors out there that somewhere don't experience this stuff. They can read it and kind of disassociate themselves from it. I can't. And I want to tell you guys, when I was reading this, it hit me right between the eyes. And God was saying, Chris, I need, I need to talk to you about some things. You know, many years ago when Trish and I were going through a really difficult time, you've heard the story where, where we were off and, and um, we, we spent a year and a half, almost two years, I was out mowing yards. I mean, it was, it was hand to mouth. And God really broke my pride and my spirit in that period of time. And, and after that's when we went to the ballpark and all these other great things happened. But during this time of famine, really impacted us in a lot of ways. And I developed a poverty mentality. I want you to understand a little bit about my family history. My dad is my hero. When I was about three years old, my dad worked at the Kodak plant. He'd gone a year or so of college and he was working at the Kodak plant. He was a blue collar worker, hard worker. My family works really, really hard. My dad was working at the plant and uh, he was up for a promotion and there was one other guy that was up for the promotion with him. And this guy had a college degree but no experience. Dad had all the experience and no real degree. And so they passed dad up to hire this guy. My dad came home, got with my mom. They sold everything they had. Loaded us up in a truck that I guess they didn't sell. Drove down to Sam Houston State University. And for the next four years, my dad went to school and ended up getting his master's degree in ag economics. And here's what he said. He said, I'm never going to be in a position again where I have to be passed up by somebody. My brother and I, little bitty kids, they were hand to mouth for four or five years. My dad worked at Sam Houston State, or was at Sam Houston State, also worked in the prison system there as a guard. I, I don't know how he did all that he did. And in four years, got his, his bachelor's degree, which he only needed two years left, and his master's degree. He said, that will never happen to me again. So I grew up, consequently, I grew up in a family that knew how to work hard, and I guess you could say I was a young man of privilege. But there were areas in my life, even growing up with all that, that the spirit of poverty, that poverty mentality resided in my mind. That if I've got it, I've got to spend it because it can be gone any minute. The spirit of mammon. So when I was reading this this week, I just wept before the Lord. Because guys, Jesus talked more about finances than he talked about anything else because that's where your heart is. And if we don't get this fixed in our lives, it will haunt us and we will never become the people that God wants us to be. This is a real thing. This is a real thing. You know, I wanted to share something with you. I read this today. (laughs) For those of you that feel like winning the lottery is the ticket, the ticket, get it? lottery ticket I'll be here all week here's what some financial planners said about winning the lottery (laughs) the reality is 70% of all the lottery winners will squander away their winnings in a few years Connecticut financial advisors said in a new release, in the process, they will see family and friendships destroyed and the financial security they hope for disappear. You know what this tells me? 
It's not a matter of how much money or riches or possessions you have. It's what you do with them. I'm going to say that again. It's not a matter of how much you have. It's a matter of what you do with it. So today, today, if you're sitting in here and you're one of these people that says, if I just had more money, that is not your problem. The reality is that spirit of mammon is manipulating you and it's ruining your life. And we're going to break that off today, amen? How many of you grew up with a family or grandparents that if you went in there to get a bowl of cereal, you ate it out of a margarine bowl? Come on. I did. Went to my, my grandparents' house. You don't have to clap, but you can if you want to. <laughs> you know, I remember growing up, going to my grandparents' house, and they'd lived through. Anybody usually that lived through the Great Depression, they kept everything, didn't they? And I remember us having... Uh, tubs, uh, my grandmother had the tubs of margarine and then I'd go in there and grab a bowl of cereal and there'd be all these 400 tubs of margarine. You would think there was a tub of margarine famine in the land. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> that, that is also represents, guys, I just want you, that's a, that's a poverty mentality. And it can be developed around us by our society and things that happen to us. I want you to understand it's not a good thing. Now, I'm not saying there's not, there's not anything wrong. If you want to have 400 margarine bowls, that's all right. But I would question what else is going on. What else are you hoarding in your life? What else are you? That's a spirit of fear that resides on us. I want you to hear this today. God will never speak to you through guilt or condemnation. God will never speak to you by using guilt or condemnation. That's not how he works. If you're walking around with the spirit of condemnation on you, a spirit of guilt on your life because of your finances, because of your riches, because you're th- you need to go to God and you need to press into him and let him deal with what's going on in your heart and let him free you of that. The devil's the one that brings guilt and condemnation. God is the one that brings freedom. Amen? So here's the final point. How do we break free from the spirit of mammon? How do we get free from this? Jesus tells us we got to choose one or the other. So how do we get free? Maybe we don't want to be here anymore. We don't want to be ruled by this. We want to be free. So how do we do that? Here's number five. Gratitude and remembrance. What? Gratitude and remembrance. Deuteronomy 8.18 says this. And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. I'm going to read it again. And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. I'm going to break it down for you real simply right here. God wants to bless you. And part of the blessing that he wants to give you is is riches and possessions. He wants to give you that. He doesn't want them to own you. So you have to get the place in your life where you're not ruled by those things. God is glad to give you a bass boat. God is happy to give you a tractor. God is fine with you having shoes, I'm sure. I mean, God is, God is okay with all those things. But the reality is, he doesn't want to bless you if he knows you're going to hurt yourself with it. So the onus is not on God wanting to bless us. If we're faithful, he will bless us. You can't stop that. But he wants us to have our hearts right so it won't destroy us. 
the primary way that we do that is by tithing. The primary way we do that is by tithing. And let me explain this. Here's, here's, I wrote this down. Tithing helps keep us anchored. Tithing helps keep us anchored. It reminds us of the price that God paid. In other words, and you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth. And the way you remember that is every month or every paycheck or whenever you get a blessing, when you take that first 10% and it reminds you that God is the one that's helped me get this. Do you get it? When God blesses you, you turn around and say, God, thank you for blessing me. And you write out that check or take that cash or whatever. And you say, God, I'm giving this to you. I remember this. This anchors me. It anchors me. When we give our tithe, it is a sign of thankfulness. It is a sign of thankfulness. What we're doing is we're recognizing in our lives that God is number one. And we remind ourselves, we're saying thank you. You know, I told you a couple weeks ago that one of the things we do about tithing and seeing God bless our lives is it gives us the opportunity to share it with the generation below us, our children, our grandchildren. And they say, mom and dad, why do you tithe? Why are you giving so much money to the church? And that's such an amazing time to be able to say, you know what? Mom or dad didn't used to always be this way. You know, there was a time in my life I was lost. There was a time in my life that I was helpless and I was hopeless. There was a time in my life when my life was a mess. And God saved me. So when I write out this tithe check, it reminds me of why I do it. It reminds me that God paid a price for me. And I'm giving this back to him and I'm remembering and I'm thankful. That's how you break the spirit of mammon. So if you're here today and you're one of those people that's dealing with that, remember that. Matthew 6, 19 through 21 says this. Yeah, come on up, guys. I love this. This is Jesus talking again. He says, do not lay up for yourselves treasure on the earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal for where where your treasure is there your heart will be also you know some of you may not even realize this but I want to put this scripture in perspective you know the kids are walking around this morning with their buddy buckets those little yellow buckets and you're dropping change in there let's just say you drop four quarters in there today and let's just say that four quarters goes somewhere and that turns into food or that turns into a Bible or that turns into fuel for a missionary's car, or whatever. And the end result of that change that you dropped in there is that somebody's going to heaven. How awesome is it gonna be where Jesus talks about laying up treasures in heaven when we walk through the gates of heaven one of these days, and I really hope this happens that we get up to heaven and there are people there that are in heaven because we gave. We never knew who they were, never met them. I mean, a little black boy from Africa, you know, a little kid from China, family in Russia, 
backpack thing. And we, you never even knew you did it. And yet we put our focus on things so many times that rust is going to destroy. I mean, as much as I love my guns, they're not going to last forever. And when I walk through the gates of heaven one of these days, there are going to be people there because of the giving that we did, because of the faithfulness, the treasures that are going to be there. Y'all, we got to get this right. We got to get this right. This is my last point, and I'm going to close. The only thing that is eternal in this world are people. The only thing that's eternal in this world are people. That's why God is so big about relationships. Why Jesus says to love one another is I've loved you. Because the only thing that's going to matter are people. You know, when I get to heaven, all that stuff's not going to be there, but the people that have impacted our lives are going to be there. And at the end, that's what really matters. Let's, let's get that right. In your seat in front of you, or on the chair beside you, there's a piece of paper. And there should be enough for everybody. Here's what I want you to do today. I'm going to give you homework. Now, this homework is for you alone. Maybe you and your family. I want you to take this home, and today, everybody say today. today. Repeat after me. Today, today. I will do what Pastor Chris says. <laughs> Dennis. <laughs> I want you to take this home and before this day is over with, I want you to go through and I want you to read all this. I want you to give yourself a self-evaluation. Okay? I want you to bring it back. I don't want you to do anything with it. I want you to read it. I want you to see where your heart is yourself. And there's a prayer at the bottom of that. And let the Lord deal with you about that. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I love your word. And everything that's in this word is for us. Everything in here is for us. And Lord, you tell us that you love us so much. You love us so much that Jesus died for us. And Lord, you've told us, Jesus, you've told us in John 10, 10 that, that you want us to have an abundant, blessed life. And I think we're starting to see, Lord, that that blessed life does include things. But all that's about, Lord, you don't want our possessions to have us. You want us to have them. And Lord, the most important thing you want us to do is to sow into people's lives. And Lord, if we follow your word, you're gonna bless us because you always honor your word. Lord, help us to get our hearts right and our minds right. And I pray, Father, right now for those of us that are here that have been dealing with the spirit of mammon, Lord, if there's a spirit of pride in their life, that, Lord, you would touch their heart and that they would recognize that everything they have comes from you and that apart from you, they can't do anything. And Lord, I pray for those today, Father, that have a spirit of poverty. Lord, they're living from paycheck to paycheck. They're hoarding things, Father. They're, they're, they can't hold on to money. Father, that spirit of mammon is on them and there's, there's fear in their life. Father, they're trying to find fulfillment in things. Lord, I speak against that spirit in Jesus' name. 
Father, I pray you'd speak to our hearts and free us today. Now, if you're here today, it's not by accident. There's, I don't believe in that. If you're here today and maybe there are needs in your life, may, maybe you've come today and Jesus is not your Lord. You know who Jesus is. You've heard about him, but you've never received him as your Lord and your Savior. Well, today is your day. So if that's you, nobody's looking around, everybody's got their heads bowed, their eyes closed, and we're just praying. If you're here today and you've never received Jesus as your Lord, but you want to do that, then slip your hand up and say, Pastor, that's me. Or maybe you're here today and you're a Christian, but you've wandered away from God. You've been doing your own thing and, and it's not working out for you. You're struggling. If that's you, and you just want to rededicate your heart to the Lord today, just slip your hand up and say, Pastor, that's me. I want to rededicate my heart to the Lord today. Amen. Amen. I see your hand. Or maybe you're here today and you're dealing with challenges. You're, you're dealing with, you're in that spot where either God's got to do a miracle or you're thinking you need more money. Well, here's the deal, friend. You don't need more money. You need God to do a miracle. But His presence is here. He can fix your problem. What's more, he wants to. So if you're here today and that's you and you say, Pastor, I have a need, whatever that need is, and I want somebody to pray with me, I need help. Slip your hand up and say, Pastor, that's me. I just need God to touch my life. Amen. Amen. Let's all stand this morning. Let's all put our hands on our hearts this morning. This is a big deal, guys. I want us to all rededicate our hearts to the Lord today. So everybody repeat this after me. Lord Jesus, you know my heart. You know the challenges that I'm facing. You know everything I've done. Lord, I know that you love me. I pray that you'd forgive me. Come into my heart. Make it your home. Help me to be the person you want me to be. Thank you for dying and rising again. I receive you today. Amen. For those of you that are dealing with that spirit of man and you're dealing with these different challenges, the answer is always God. You know, I've learned something. Some of you that have been around me know this. I kind of think pretty simply. I don't like things being real complicated. Here's the answer. If you're wondering how to fix the challenge in your life, this is it. Draw close to God. The answer is always draw close to God. But pastor, I have pain in my body, then draw close to God. Pastor, I need help in my finances, then draw close to God. Pastor, I need help in my relationship. Pastor, I need help at work. Whatever the issue is, the answer is always to draw close to God. Because he can fix it. And he wants to. Amen. Father, I pray a blessing on all those here today. Lord, I pray that you would bless their life, anoint their steps, Lord. I pray that you would draw them close to you. Lord, deal with their hearts and help us be the people that you want us to be. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Now listen, guys, as you leave today, 
I want you to look at two or three other fellas, give them a man hug, which goes like this. What's up? Okay. Ladies, y'all can really hug. All right. And, and this is my commandment. Get outside and enjoy this weather. Come on. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.